opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and uh, before we get started, I want to give you our call-in number in case you're listening to the show and you'd like to join in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can do that by dialing 888 888- 329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. Um, and as always, please uh, visit our website to find out who's on our lineup and, and coming up on the show. And you can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. So I want to get started uh, right off the bat. I'm, I'm so excited this afternoon to, to bring a guest onto the show who um, I met about a year ago. And uh, I'm very honored to have her join us from London. Um, she is calling us from her hometown. And her name is Elizabeth Filippouli. Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of Global Thinkers, uh, as well as the Global Thinkers Forum, uh, which is an organization that is international, and it works as an agent for positive change. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hello, Susan. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm very happy to have you and, and very excited. I've been looking forward to uh, this day and this show to talk about, you know, the, the really uh, amazing work that you're doing and, um, and happy to share it with our listeners. Tell me what it's – are you calling from London? I assumed you were. <laughs> Actually, this week I'm in Athens. Oh, you are? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm very much based out of a suitcase. <laughs> you are. You are. It, it, it can be exhausting, right, the traveling? Oh, well, it's true. On the other hand, it is so exciting to, to meet new people or to see friends in, who live in different parts of the world. So that kind of compensates for, for any fatigue or any exhaustion yeah. from too many airports and airplanes. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, listen, you're, so you're in Athens, and, and actually that is where you grew up, right? Indeed, yes. Yeah. I was born and raised in Athens. So yeah, I would love to hear a little bit about the the young um, Elizabeth growing up in Greece. And, um, of course, I, I, I want to hear a, a little bit about your relationship with your dad because you speak quite often about him being um, a, a very big part of why you do the work you do today, and he was quite an inspiration. Um, so talk just, just for a few minutes about your younger years and what your own – aspirations were growing up and and some of the challenges that you faced of course well i was born in a family of of journalists and publishers so i would say that uh, journalism and storytelling is in my dna in Mm -hmm. a way and my dad uh was uh, an explorer so a mind that was always very inquisitive i guess that was the main reason why he became a journalist but he was also a very 
prolific personality. So beyond the journalist, he was also an artist, a poet, uh, a very well-known uh, screen, um, screenwriter, and also someone who was very known for his sense of humor. Mm. And uh, his personality had intrigued me also because in his early years, in his late uh, teens, early 20s, he decided to explore the world. So uh, for about five or six years, uh, he uh, became a sailor on a cargo ship. Mm -hmm. And I remember the stories from mid-50s, early 60s, when he was traveling the world, um, working on a cargo ship and, and sailing from India to the Persian Gulf, from the Persian Gulf to uh, Djibouti, um, from there to, um, to the Mediterranean and from there to, to France and Brittany and to New York. So all the different stories of the people that he was coming across, the cultures, um, the values. That, that, that he was discovering in people coming from different backgrounds, different religions and, and histories. And at the same time, the, his eagerness, which was becoming stronger and stronger, the more people and the more different countries he would meet, to uh, dig, dig deeper into the world and its values and how these differences and diversity could bring us together. And so sharing these stories with me, um, I was very intrigued from a very young age to, to do the same and travel the world a lot and to see how I could come closer to people and uh, get to live in their communities, in their societies, but not just as a traveler. Perhaps if I could as, as one of them, as one of, of different from a different group than the one I had grown up in. So that was the beginning. Um, then my father um, talked to me a lot about journalism and the importance of journalism being more of a mission and less of a profession. Because he felt that we need, uh, as journalists, to, to serve the world and to make it a better place. Uh, to promote justice, to promote fairness, to allow people to voice their, their concerns, their issues, their problems, and give voice to the unheard. And, of course, this is how you uh, um, brand your program, I mean, bringing uh, the microphone to those stories and those women who not always make it to the headlines or to the spotlight. And yes. this is very, very important. So... Um, Journalism was very, a very natural course, if you like, and I always felt that I needed to do eventually in a way that we, we could combine both worlds. So Elizabeth as the storyteller, as the messenger, and Elizabeth as the explorer. So if it could give me the opportunities to travel the world and bring different stories to the spotlight, that would be my dream, my ideal uh, profession. And that's, that's how my father affected everything. Uh, of course, in a, in a very short, uh, in a nutshell, really, because in so many ways he has inspired me and in so many ways he has been guiding me. Mm. Even though he's not with us anymore, I mean, his, his spirit and his wisdom 
still guides what I do. Yeah. You know what? I, I also read that you're, you're quite a family of storytellers, I'll say, because your grandparents as well were in the media. And didn't they, um, didn't they launch one of the first uh, daily papers in Greece? Indeed, yes. Yeah. Acropolis, one of the uh, oldest papers in Greece. And then Poyo uh, Matini and uh, my uncle also, um, he launched Ethnos. And uh, I, I mean, I think from both parts, both my mom's and my, my, my dad's part, they are in the in the media business and in, in journalism, really. Yeah. So, um, yeah, indeed. That's why I said in the beginning that it is very much in my DNA. Yes. Well, you know what I love so much about what you said, Elizabeth? Your, your curiosity for traveling to so many different places and different cultures and getting to know people that are very different from you is is such a wonderful thing, and it's a message that I know you're trying to instill in the people that you work with because I think, especially in today's climate, that typically people have a fear of those that are different. And isn't that, you know, often something that, you know, is a struggle and continues to um, keep people from seeing what a wonderful, you know, the wonderful aspect of having so much diversity and learning about people in different cultures and how how they lead as well and their values, as you said. Well, yes, I think that uh, being uh, afraid or being wary of of difference is something that is part of human nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it's, it's a recent phenomenon, really. I think that we have the, the tendency to to be part of to like being part of a unified group because we feel more comfortable when we are with people who think alike, who look alike, um, who behave alike. So it's something that difference is is something that pushes us outside of our comfort zones. Yes. And you you can notice that even you know from. Uh, with children at a very young age, they spot something different and and they point the finger at it and they do it instinctively, they do it naturally. So it's something that we need to 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 teach our children how to embrace diversity and difference. Mm-hmm. And it's something um, that we need to understand that it's it's far far better and and far more so satisfying if we manage to uh, to view those differences as bridges and as opportunities for a dialogue with someone who's different instead of a barrier instead of an obstruction yes you know and yes so yeah please no i was just gonna i think children are the greatest teachers of that often because they lack the fear they you know so when they're very young and they haven't had life experience yet um, they're often great examples of, of um, reaching out to, to children, I think, that are different without that judgment or pre, preconceived um, notions. Well, yes and no, because um, I think that, that racism, for example, is something that, uh, that, that comes as part of our nature, even not only with, with human beings, but also in the animal kingdom. 
uh, when they, someone is weaker, when, when a little bird is weaker or it's um, ill, it cannot fly as high or it cannot fly at all, um, then they leave it behind. Or uh, as, as human beings from a very young age, when we spot something which is weaker, sometimes we would tend, children will tend to bully against it instead of embracing it, instead of supporting it and helping it. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I do, I do. I, 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 I know exactly what you're saying. I think that, that sometimes you see that in older children, but the very young, you know, the, the, the toddlers, mm. I think, are um, yes, typically... Are more, yeah, affectionate. Or, yes, yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had the, the life experience that starts to, to shape how they, you know, think about other people, I'll say. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, you know. Um, but I think your innate curiosity and, and wanting to really show what diversity can do as far as, you know, positive change um, and global is, is such an inspiration. And, and it's something I think the more that those conversations are had and, and the more we show what can come of bringing people from so many different cultures together, the better, you know, and that's really at the heart of the work that you're doing. Yes, and, and uh, I think it is all about values. Uh, the whole conversation that we create as Global Thinkers Forum, but yes. also that uh, I personally feel that we need to create as people, especially in a world that is so complex and in a world where differences and diversities are so highlighted, Mm -hmm. so up in the agenda, we need to differentiate between beliefs and values. Mm. Uh, Because beliefs are more political, they are contextual, Mm -hmm. they they relate to things which are more subjective, whereas values are principles that all of us share. Yes. No matter where we come from, no matter what God we believe in, no matter what background uh, we bring to the table when it comes to values like family, peace, honesty, um, transparency, collaboration, uh, teamwork, uh, vision, all of us share these values, uh, Susan. I don't know if if you agree with me, but yes, I think absolutely. that yes. these are universal ideas. They are. They are. And, you know, it, it, I'm going to jump ahead to a question I had um, because it speaks to what you're talking about. I, You know, you describe your organization as, as truly nonpolitical and nonpartisan. And, I, you know, I often wonder what it's like when you're sitting in a room um, full of these thought leaders you know, who all are very interested in the same thing, truly bringing about positive change globally. Can you describe for me what the atmosphere is like and and how you bring together, you know, these people with – first of all, I, I want to know how, how do you find the particular thought leaders that you bring into um, the organization? And it might be from a couple of different – uh, avenues, but you know, describe for me what it's like when you're all sitting in a room together, and how you're able to have very productive conversation um, without the, I'll say, you know, the opinions and the beliefs 
getting in the way of, you know, um, the outcome. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, because the common thread uh, among all these people who, who are honoring us with their presence on our board and their work, support, um, and endorsement, the common thread is that they are all true global thinkers. And what I mean by that is that A, are people of vision, uh, B, people that are able to connect the dots so they can see the wider perspective of things. Uh, they operate with foresight and they are very committed towards positive change and ethos. And they understand that these elements, these very important elements, are above political parties, political ideologies. Um, they, 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 they have nothing to do with uh, votes. And all they have to do with is creating societies which will be societies that are more fair towards citizens and that will create opportunities for the disadvantaged, uh, opportunities for youth, that is the future, and also opportunities for women uh, who need to be part of our economies and the global economy, which as a globalized economy, as we know, has now come under question mm -hmm. and under scrutiny for its effectiveness and its, its delivery yes. of the promises that it has been uh, giving, if you like, mm -hmm. to our world over the last 20 years. So these people are connected by the same values and connected by the same desire and vision to be not talkers, but actually doers and create a better world also through our organization. But each and every one of them, from their own post, from their own leadership position, whatever they do, they create positive change. Elizabeth, do you now, see... Now, as to oh, how we find them? Oh, yeah. go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. About your second question, as to how we find them. Yes. Uh, I, I would say it's a mutual relationship in a way. Mm -hmm. So we sometimes we find them. Uh, we follow people who are thought leaders, either because they're in the news or because we follow um, on social media or because they have been recommended or introduced to us as, as truly inspiring stories, truly successful people who have not made the headlines yet. Mm. And so we feel the obligation to promote them and to make their stories known around the world. And uh, some, some other times they find us, they hear about Global Fingers Forum, the mission, the, the, the reach, the work, and they say, we would like to join you. We would like to be part. Yes. Do you, Elizabeth, see a commonality among these particular people that you describe, global thinkers, people who are actionable? Is there a commonality in, in their background, where they come from? Do you see anything that's similar? If, if, do you mean professionally? No, I, I, more just is there something that you you can point to that you think there's um, 
And there's, pro- I'm, there's probably not, but something about their back, where they have come from, perhaps challenges that they have overcome in their own lives, um, that leads them to become these type of global thinkers, as you describe them. Well, you know, Susan, uh, show me a person uh, from whatever background, a wealthy background or a poor background, uh, that hasn't had uh, to deal with challenges in their life. Mm-hmm. And and I had the opportunity with Global Thinkers Forum to uh, meet and to work together with truly high-profile leaders, with heads of state, uh, uh, Her Majesty Queen Rani of Jordan, uh, was our patron on our launch here in 2012. And I also have the opportunity to, to work with people who perhaps only a small group has heard about them or their work. But there is an eagerness and there is a desire that connects Queen Rania with the lady from, uh, I don't know, from Turkey who is struggling to create positive change in her village and empower women or empower youth and get something positive going on, go on for her immediate environment, if you see what I mean, yes. or help refugees in need or help a child that, that, that is an orphan. Yeah. And that's her own way to create positive change. So this is something that connects uh, a top leader or a recognized leader and someone who's a smaller leader but in reality a very big leader in their own society or community. Mm, Yeah you know I often say that um, no matter your background or work or what you're doing that everyone is equally important and I and I you know I, I love for women in particular to know that and believe that that what they have to offer or what they have to say or what they believe is equally as important as perhaps, you know, those that really have an opportunity to be on the global stage uh, and, and get a lot of exposure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that every dream is possible. Um, as long as we believe in ourselves, as long as we know that we can make things happen, as long as we are fearless, and that is not something easy to mm, uh, to be right. or yeah. to do. Yeah. But it is a process, and it is a journey. Yeah. No one was born fearless. Yeah. Well, tell, were you, you know, were you fearless when you were young? Do you, is that something Goodness, you developed no. over time? <laughs> uh, it's something I developed over time, and yeah. and I had the the blessing of having, of course, uh, two parents who were always very encouraging, who, who um, they, was, they were always telling me that I should believe in myself, that I should uh, take risks in my life, that I should think big, dream big. But I also had the blessing of uh, having very uh, visionary mentors in my life. And mentoring is another I think very important uh, thing or, or, or blessing uh, that someone can have in their life. So my mentors also helped me in overcoming my fears and my insecurities. 
um, one of the people that has played a major role in my life and also Global Thinkers Forum is my uh, university professor, Mark Ventresca. Um, he's a, a professor of entrepreneurship and system building at SPS School, Trade Business School in the University of Oxford. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, he was my supervisor when I was working on my dissertation, which was based on Global Thinkers Forum. And I remember at the time, that was in 2010, that I was uh, sharing with with Mark my uh, insecurities and my concerns as to not only the vision of the organization, but also how to to realize and materialize something so ambitious and so big. Mm. And um, Mark was was not just encouraging, but, but... he uh, gave a, a massive boost to my confidence. And he said that, Elizabeth, you have the knowledge, you have the background, but also there is a network in place, that, a network that, that trusts you, which is extremely important to build relationships of trust. And if people trust you, then by uh, 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 giving back this trust, you can create something that will be of influence and positive change. And these words I've always kept uh, in my mind, I mm-hmm. keep them in my heart, yeah. and they were the key words that, that made me think, okay, okay, I will go for it. Yeah, well, you know, it's so often that someone in our lives will say something, and it can be very small, it can be one sentence, and for some reason at that moment in time, it has a strong impact. Um, you know, you um, for the listeners who might not know all of your background, you gave a TED talk in in March of 2013, and I I I noticed and I loved the fact that you based it on all of these people who have come into your life, um, you know, through your journey and starting with your dad, and how each one of them left with you um, a lesson. Um, or something that kind of helped you, um, you know, make a, make a choice to, to do something in your life. And I, you describe yourself as a mad global thinker, um, which I think is a great, it's, it's a great <laughs> description. Um, I wanted to know, you know, in, in all of the, um, all of the people that have come in and out of your life and, and mentors and, and uh, you've had an opportunity to interview yourself a lot of very interesting, successful people. Um, is there one person in particular, aside from perhaps uh, Mark, um, that left you with a lesson that you, you refer to often, you know, perhaps in challenging times? Uh, yes. Uh, more than one. The first person that comes to mind is uh, Ted Turner. Okay. Uh, during my um, career in journalism, I had the opportunity to uh, become a CNN fellow and work with CNN for six years. And um, I had the privilege to, to meet Ted and to interview him a couple of times. And I was a, so impressed by his personality, and B, by his madness. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, he is an amazing, amazing uh, visionary. 
Yes. So beyond the businessman, he's an amazing businessman. He's an amazing uh, media mogul. Uh, but beyond that, I think he's a fantastic uh, individual, uh, the, perhaps the epitome of, of uh, accountability, because uh, he has been among the, the first philanthropists who donated such a big amount um, to an organization like the UN, for instance, mm -hmm. and created... Uh, when was it? I think 1997, the UN Foundation. And Ted, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with his story. Yes. Uh, so he he uh, he lost his father in his late uh, teens, if I'm not mistaken. And his father, when he died, he had lost a very big part, if not the best part, of their fortune. And so uh, Ted had to look after his um, his sisters, and he had to start uh, from scratch in a way, or from you know a very very small uh, amount left in in their fortune. And he managed to you know rise from the ashes. And then at some point in the beginning of the 80s, he decided. Of course, he was already in the media for a few years, but he decided to to take a step that everyone was 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 uh, labeling as a completely mad insane <laughs> uh, business right <laughs> yes move. yes so launched the 24/7 news network yes and at the time everyone had told him that you're going to to lose your fortune don't do it but he did he didn't listen to them because it was his uh, foresight but also his business acumen and a good amount of madness right or fearlessness to go ahead yes fearlessness yes. fearlessness yeah yeah well you know the, it's here's an interesting question because you know so we live in this 24 hour news cycle and um we talk about this on the show quite a bit that we are we now have knowledge every day all day long of the issues that are going on around the entire world. And what I think about my own self growing up, um, we pretty much knew what was going on in the community, and that, and that was enough. I'd love to know, Elizabeth, how you handle the, you know, this overwhelming sense of knowledge of, of all of the global issues of the day, and how do you not become overwhelmed? How do you sort out where you can best focus your efforts and where you can best have an impact and make, you know, make a difference when there are so, so many things that need attention? Very good question, Susan. <laughs> uh, it takes, uh, sometimes it does take a lot of effort because uh, there is so much information and so many things interesting Sometimes less interesting, urgent, or less urgent to to uh, to deal with on a daily basis for all of us, mm -hmm. because we live in um, in the times of information overload. That's I mean, right. We get news and stories and breaking news and information or misinformation yes. from every possible source. That's right. So uh, first of all, uh, my my focus is very clear when it comes to um, to the, the mission that we serve, which focuses on the three pillars of accountable leadership, uh, youth development, and women's empowerment. 
So all the projects that we deliver on a daily basis or on a yearly basis, they have a very specific mission. Um, number two, which is very important, I have an amazing, a small uh, team, but a, an amazing team um, of, of, of people who understand the mission and they help me with that on a day-to-day basis. And I have an absolutely fantastic advisory board uh, with people who understand the wider reality, the global trends. They follow or very often they lead those trends and uh, we are kept in the loop <laughs> between each other with what is important, what is coming up. We, we try to, to catch what we call, what are called the weak signals and uh, foresee what will be in the news in the near future so that we can catch it early, we can work on it early and we can engage our audience early. Yeah, I, it's so it's very important to have good people around you, isn't it, to kind of keep you um, focused when, when perhaps you want to, you know, go off the rails. Some days it's harder um, to stay focused than other days. So I, you know, I agree with you on that. Having good people around you that that truly understand what the mission is is very very important. Um, Elizabeth, of course, we're going to. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. We're, you know what? We're going to take you know, a quick about break. To say that my friends and family are, are, are extremely important in this yes, respect. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about what you know what exactly value-based leadership is, and uh, the Valor method method, excuse me, that um, that you developed, um, and give our, our audience a good sense of of what it is that you're do, you're doing. Um, we will be right back. Sure. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area in mid-November, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hima Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. 
For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411. That's montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. And I'm joined this afternoon by the wonderful Elizabeth Filippouli, who is the founder and CEO of Global Thinkers. Um, Elizabeth, I want to talk a little bit about what value-based leadership means to you. What what exactly do you think that is? And... um, you know, that's that's one of the things that's at the core of your organization is encouraging this value-based leadership. What does it mean to you? How would you define that? Well, I will go back, Susan, to how, what we were saying before, that, that this is a very complex and very interconnected, very interdependent world. And it's a world that uh, highlights differences and diversities and uh, for that reason, we need to, as leaders, we need to think more from a global perspective and also try to build bridges and understanding between people. Also because um, our organizations and companies are becoming more and more multicultural. Uh, we see, the, we witness and we experience this, this shift in populations, this, this massive wave of migration, and I think that nothing can be more telling as to how our societies are going to be different in 5, 10, 20 years from now, because Mm -hmm. this is how societies evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Population uh, movement. So we need to understand uh, that now more than ever, it is uh, is a cry, It 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 is a demand to embrace values-based decision-making, which means that as leaders, we need to be more accountable. We need to um, understand that we have to give back to society. We have to operate under a vision that will create more opportunities, not only for our companies if we are business leaders, but also for the stakeholders that are one way or another connected to our companies, our organizations, whatever it is that that, uh, we run, we lead. So I would say that it is this multi-stakeholder approach that we need to embrace and also uh, get us to uh, be more accountable, not only towards society, but also towards humanity as a whole. So understand that the world is something that does not belong to us. It belongs to the future generations. And this is not just a theory. It is not a game. It's something very, very serious. And we need to realize that we're only temporary in this world. And so we better create a presence that will develop eventually Uh, that will create eventually a sustainable future for the generations ahead of us. Mm. 
this is what values-based decision-making and values-based leadership uh, means to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is a necessity if we want to, to talk about a world that will eventually become more peaceful, more secure, and more prone towards uh, prosperity and development. Yes, and, and, and I would say that we're seeing that now. Um, many, many companies are are um, trying to implement that type of thinking as opposed to, um, I would say, years gone by where it was just handling the business of the day, right? Just kind of focusing on um, particular products or services or, you know, um, I, I think it's one of the things that perhaps has come out of being able to be connected globally is sharing the idea of the importance of, um, you know, making decisions based on, on values, as you said. Um, so I think it's 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 a positive thing that what I've seen from the interviews I've done from many women um, who are with corporations, companies, they're, they have implemented initiatives that are doing exactly what you're saying we need to do. Yes, more and more organizations and more and more companies uh, embrace that because, A, they see the importance and the imminence of, of, of it. Yes. But there's also another aspect here. Uh, it's decentralization of power. Uh, because of technology and innovation and because of so- social media, uh, what we have witnessed over the last, I'd say, 10 years is uh, this shift in decision-making. So now it's more the masters, it's, it's more of the, the, the bottom-up decision-making instead of the traditional top-down hierarchy. Yes. And it's the people uh, that send the messages, that, that, that send their uh, demands, if you like, for, for justice and opportunities and um, fairness and also protection when they need it. Uh, or for infrastructure, or for facilities, or for help, day-to-day help for the, the less privileged. So it's the people that send the message to uh, those high up there, and it's the people that make the decisions today, or they guide, if you like, the decisions today. And that is a major shift uh, as, as to how things operate. And yes. this is why leaders need to listen they they cannot afford uh to turn a deaf ear anymore you know elizabeth when i think about how connected we are now and this is kind of the irony of um you know obviously one of the the greatest issues of our time is is this um the the terror networks this uh, radical islamic terrorism and the global networks of terror and I, I wanted to ask you your personal opinion on why you think we're seeing so many people um, that are feeling alone and isolated um, with, you know, a, a very false sense of identity when there is this ability to be so connected. So so you, we, we have the, you know, again, the ability to be connected, but many, many people feeling isolated who then become vulnerable um, to this cause, do you? What are your thoughts on that? Why we're seeing so much of that? Well, because I think that as people, 
we like to label. We 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 uh, find cliches and stereotypes easy and convenient. And I think that media uh, have major role to play and a negative role, uh, in fact, in stereotyping and, and reproducing stereotypes and replicating cliches around groups of people or countries. And uh, for example, when I got um, this offer, this proposal from Al Jazeera English, when I was still a journalist in 2005 and working with CNN at the time, I got a proposal from Al Jazeera English to uh, join them as a news presenter and, and producer. And that meant that my contract would take me to live in Qatar, in the Gulf, mm-hmm. for two years. Um, I have to say that it made headlines in my home country, in Greece, and everyone was asking the same question. I mean, how... Someone like you, Elizabeth, you have been born, you were born and, and, and raised in a, in a Western country, in a liberal country. How are you going to deal with having to live in a society that is entirely different to yours, to the one that you grew up in, uh, very conservative, uh, very religious, and a religion that you can perhaps hardly understand? And I thought that... It, I felt the need to try and understand a society that is so different to mine, to the one that uh, I was feeling comfortable in, and also see myself, witness myself, whether the realities that are projected, presented by the media, were actually are actually the realities on the ground. Mm. And I have to say, Susan, that I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised, for example, to come across and, and to meet and to be friends with the most amazing, fearless, powerful, talented, charismatic women from the Arab world, women who do not make it to the media, or only a very, very small number of them make it to uh, the front pages, because of their religion, because of their culture, because they cover their heads or even their faces. But that doesn't mean that they are not educated or successful as businesswomen uh, or they do not run family businesses. And not many stories like that make it to the media. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and there's, they're probably visionaries as well. Um, Without the, of course they yes, are. yes, without the opportunities that what a, you know, Elizabeth, you're so open-minded and and you know seeking out these stories and um, it's it's actually it's very wonderful to hear um, from all of the different countries that you've traveled to that you see this same uh, human spirit among many cultures. Of course I do, and, and I have uh, very good friends, um, I would say friends for life, by so many different uh, backgrounds and, and from so many different countries. And this is because what we are connected by is the human spirit. It's uh, the soul connection. 
It's the fact that we feel the same about the world around us, about our families, about the importance of operating under a mindset of values, about creating societies which will be more peaceful and more prone towards creativity, innovation, positive change. So these are the elements that bring us together and, 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 and get us to do things together, to launch initiatives together. And of course, I mean, there's, I don't think that there's any better example than the diversity of people under Global Thinkers Forum and, and, and the board, the two boards that we have. It's, it's, they just speak for, for, for themselves. Yes, yes. And, you know, one of the things that, you, that you're doing is this mentor program, um, which I think is always so very important to be having these conversations with young people. Because, as you said, you know, they're, they're the future, and um, we want to bring them up with a different um, mindset and have them be as open-minded as well. Can you tell me something that you – have learned from your mentee because I always think we le- we learn more from our mentees than perhaps they learn from us. Of course. Um, so my uh, my mentee from Finland. Um, the first time we uh, were on the phone, she's twenty three, and so I said I introduced myself. And I said, I would like to know more about you. So, so talk to me about yourself. And she was very hesitant. And, and, and I could hear her voice that she was quite shy. And she said, well, um, I, I'm not very good uh, about talking. I mean, on, on talking about myself, speaking about myself. And I said, why is that? And she said, because the Scandinavian culture is a culture that uh, does not allow uh, a big ego. It's a culture that uh, promotes and 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 uh, rewards, if you like, modesty, mm. and not someone bragging about themselves. And I said, but I don't want to, you to brag about yourself. I want to hear about you, your aspirations, your dreams, your, your plans for the future, your fears and insecurities. And again, she said, well, if I start talking about myself, it will seem as if I want to stand out. And the culture in the part of the world that I come from does not want anyone to stand out. So for me, that was a new thing. I was not familiar with that. And so now the conversation, uh, the way I see it, and I hope that she she will like it and she will embrace it because she, she is a very international mind. I mean, she has already traveled and worked in India, Japan, and Egypt, uh, despite her very young age. I would like to, to explain to her that being proud of oneself and one's achievements, smaller or bigger, uh, it's not something that is called bragging. It's about self-confidence. It's about um, feeling good with oneself and one's soul. So it's a two-way relationship mentoring. I mean, it's about the mentor learning from the mentee and vice versa. Yes, and you know that's it's interesting uh, that she felt that way because I think a lot of people feel that way when they're 
and of course, you know, I'm, this is what I do every week. I, I ha- try to have people share their story. And telling your story is not bragging. Telling your story is a gift to the listener. And I, I don't you, you know, I, I just think that that is, yeah. yeah. Um, and perhaps if we, we share that with young women in particular, I think they, they tend to be more modest about their own stories. Um it's it's always a yeah. yeah it's it's more of a gift but but it's interesting there's different cultures i would say that probably um grow up with more of a sense that they should keep those keep those stories private and not share them but you know Susan, every society has its own culture and mindset and and set of beliefs and set of values for example I come from a country, uh, Greece, uh, where entrepreneurship or, if you like, um, failure when someone decides to become an entrepreneur and his first venture doesn't work, uh, he, he has to close down his or her business or whatever, is a stigma. So it's something that stigmatizes the person. It's something that will generate gossip in their immediate environment. And it's something that will be an embarrassing uh, experience, a very traumatic experience, because this is the culture of the, of, of, of the Greek society and other societies as well, of course, not, not just the Greek society. On the other hand, uh, in the U.S., the more you try, the more chances you have to, mail, uh, to, to fail, but the more chances you have to succeed. So it doesn't stop you. A failure or two or, or even a third failure, it doesn't stop you from making it. Mm. The fourth time. Yes, side. that's right. That, well, making yes. it big. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you know, one of the things I read about you, Elizabeth, is that you um, – or one of the messages I'll say that you want to give to other people is to always, um, you know, make make a choice that might be scary to you because that's often where some of the greatest successes lead. And I wondered if you could describe a time or an experience that you had where you were presented with a choice that truly was fearful for you, but you did it, you chose it, and and had a good outcome. And perhaps it, it was the, you know, the, the decision to start this organization, which has just, you know, done so much wonderful things. Oh, yes. Yes, very true. Uh, because I had to uh, choose between a very um, successful career in media, uh, an established career, and um, moving ahead as an individual uh, into a world which was entirely unknown to me at the time. So uh, entrepreneurship and launching a business. Um, So I took the leap of faith and I thought, you know, uh, if I do not take my risks, I'm never going to uh, know if I will fail or if I win. Um, I have to take my chances. I have to make my mistakes. I felt that this is the way to grow. And I felt that I need to nourish my courage. What I did, because I was absolutely determined to follow my dream, uh, was equip myself 
with, with new knowledge. And that is the message that I would like to, to send, especially to young women who are listening to, uh, to your program, Susan, that knowledge is power. And the more you can equip yourself with fresh ideas, with fresh thinking, uh, with existing and established knowledge and critical thinking, the more powerful you become. So what I did before launching Global Thinkers Forum, I went back to school and I did two master's degrees, one in Oxford at Said Business School on Strategy and Innovation and a master's degree at City University in London on transnational media and globalization. So I didn't just go ahead with it. I equipped myself in order to feel more secure when it came to my intellectual power um, before launching Global Thinkers Forum. Mm. And that helped tremendously. That, that builds confidence, doesn't it? To have, to have, the more knowledge you have, I think the more confident you become. And then, of course, you have the ability to um, you know, really join in on, in conversations that are important and, and contribute in the best way possible. Absolutely. So it is inspiration, it is vision, uh, it is courage, and it is very much knowledge. And fortunately, again, because uh, thanks to technology, we are able to access knowledge very easily and for free, in fact. That's right. I mean, there are open courses out there. Uh, there are online courses which are free of charge. There are networks out there so it is just within you know the 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 the, uh, click of a of a button that's available to us that's right elizabeth we're out of time i thank you so much it was such an enjoyable conversation and i i hope that you will stay in touch and i will be sharing all of the wonderful things that um global thinkers and global thinkers forum is doing thank you so much susan keep up the great work Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Tune in every week at WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Have a great week, everyone.